there seemed to be secret or informal, maybe even verbal treaties at the top of the command structures that basically say NATO is can override whatever they want. I mean, it's really we don't even really understand the real nature of political authority in 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 Europe uh, for the, since the end of the Cold War. I would I would I would argue in this. What, what the things that you're pointing to are these rare cases where the real power emerges, uh, and you, but you only can sort of see its footprints or something. It's, it's really, it's really something. Now, this manual itself was written about by Covert Action back in the late '70s, and then people dispute it and say that it was that it was fake, uh, that it was a, that it was you know a um, a forgery. But it, a it, Soviet forgery, that's what's interesting. That's the, state, the, the thesis of the State Department of the U.S. intelligence community, uh, including the notorious Michael Ledeen, was that it was a singularly effective Soviet forgery, <laughs> which is obviously quite ridiculous, but it, it's consistent with the pattern we were talking about before. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, it, I recall that Daniel Ganser wrote about this in his book, and that was one of the things that they tried to criticize him for, uh, his book, NATO's Secret Armies. So I was looking at that. I did a little bit of looking into that when I was writing my dissertation and then the other version of it. And I, I was surprised by how weak the argument, the official story was in this case, because, you, I mean, you had Gelly himself saying that a CIA officer, right? Or a, like, I mean, he explain this, explain the controversy here, because it's such a it's so strange, and it just points to how the U.S. side or the, the empire side can put forward a cover story, and it doesn't even matter if the cover story is ridiculous. Like that's what the serious people will accept, uh, you know, in the face of all logic. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. It's a, it's, I think it's a very fascinating case in general, and very uh, illustrative, as you said. Well, in a way, considering. Uh, uh, people who are not familiar with the case, but as reference of this, I mean, at least people will follow the real investigation. They could have even uh, Russiagate as reference, uh, uh, meaning in terms of putting the blame always on someone else, always on the, the, the perfect culprit, uh, the perfect scapegoat. And, you know, you know that Russiagate has been completely debunked uh, in so many ways. But in that particular case, uh, what we have here is basically, uh, at the origin of the controversy, there is this... Uh, uh, supplement. It's a document that is dated uh, March 18, 1970. It's supposed to be a supplement to an ordinary field manual uh, of the U.S. Army, 3031, it's coded, uh, which deals basically with counterinsurgency uh, operation. Now, uh, the official copy of the manual itself can be found in certain Army uh, libraries. What was controversial was the, the, the existence of this famous or notorious supplement B that started appearing in certain European countries and then in Turkey, most notably in Turkey, first uh, in Italy and Spain in the 70s. Now, uh, the, the, the big controversial side with this uh, document is that it instead of uh, dealing with uh, uh, ag aggressive action against a foreign enemy, it basically uh, deals with counterinsurgency within a host country, uh, condemned frequently 
as uh, HC, which is basically a friendly country. The, the general idea is that in a friendly country, uh, uh, the only uh, real threat may come from within, and you have to uh, have measures in place to deal with possible internal counterinsurgency. And then, curiously enough, uh, uh, that happened to be applied, especially in the case of Italy, against uh, uh, any leftist uh, uh, movement, and as you were saying, regardless of the fact that they got uh, uh, to power democratically or not. But the, the big problem is that uh, there are very specific uh, parts of a document where they, in the case of uh, indecisiveness on the side of a host country government, special forces must be willing to take uh, you know, uh, more uh, drastic action must be willing to uh, infiltrate opposition groups uh, or uh, radical groups uh, and even launch terrorist attacks in order basically to convince, to persuade the host country government to stabilize the situation, in a, even if not in a necessarily uh, authoritarian sense, but possibly in that direction too. Uh, uh, any opposition, uh, basically. And uh, now, this scenario may sound, uh, uh, you know, uh, basically, they say that when U.S. Army intelligence must have the means of launching special operation, which will convince the HC governments and public opinion of the reality of insurgent danger and of the necessity of counteraction. And basically, to this end, U.S. Army intelligence should seek to penetrate the insurgency by means of agents on special assignment with the task of forming special action groups among the more radical elements of insurgency. When the kind of situation in this age above arises, these groups acting under U.S. Army intelligence control should be used to launch violent or nonviolent action according to the nature of, of the case, unquote. Now, the, the, the question is that, this may sound a scenario, you know, where you know uh, you're talking about a country that is at war uh, or that there is a domestic war, but actually, this document appeared in countries like Italy and Franco Spain, where there was actually a civil war, and uh, and it turned out to be also uh, in possession of elements that were indeed tied to the to the United States uh, establishment. So. Covert uh, Action Information Bulletin, the predecessor of Covert Action mag uh, Magazine, indeed, uh, was the, when the document surface was one of the, the exceptionally few sources that uh, analyzed uh, this document and published a copy of it in its 1979 issue. And uh, they had the document analyzed by military experts and honestly all uh, concurred with, uh, with the thesis that it had all the appearance of being genuine, genuine document. And uh, when it comes to the, uh, for quite a long time, uh, the US government did not even take an official position. But when the Italian press started publishing and talking about that at the end of the 70s, uh, well, at first, uh, we know that the United States Embassy in Italy 
they informed the representative of a respected news magazine, L'Europeo, that uh, was intended to publish this document, that the publication of a document would be inopportune. <laughs> That's uh, uh, what they said. But so when uh, uh, an official stance on this point was no longer uh, avoidable, could no longer uh, delay, they did uh, put out the official story that it was indeed a singularly effective Soviet forgery, and that there is no actually supplement B to field manual 3031, that there is not even a supplement B to that manual. Now, uh, this uh, story took, uh, of course, a very different turn when, at the beginning of the 80s, Licio Gialli was arrested uh, in Italy, and his daughter was also arrested in July 81, and in a very in a conspicuously uh, prominent uh, uh, false bottom of a suitcase that she was carrying, that was also a copy of this document. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. Subscribe and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire.